All right, what's going on? Thank you for coming and checking out another episode of Happy Hour. Today we got Lindsay Minns, finally. It's been a while, right? Yeah, it's been, been a long time. Long time. Thank you for having yeah, me. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously Sean Corbett, my team lead over here at EXP. And we got a lot to get into today. Um, I don't know. I feel like I wanted to start with the story, but I can't remember what the story was. But... Oh, that's what it was. Frisco Square. I went to, uh, I just, I moved to Frisco back in like September, I think. And everyone, uh, Chandra had been telling me about like all the stuff they do out there. Yeah. And um, I just, for the first time yesterday, I took Kimbo for a walk and I walked like around this, the really lights and it was just so much traffic. I was like, oh, what's going on? And it was just like, the lights were crazy. It was, yeah. I've, I've, I've seen a lot of Christmas lights. You've never I, been there during Christmas? No. Yeah, I, really. I, I, honestly, I've been to Frisco like yeah. once before I moved up there. And I went to like a Rough Riders game. And when I was looking for places to rent, that was the only place I found something that the there's, value There's a few sense. places in Dallas-Fort Worth that you want to go during oh, Christmas time. Highland Park yeah. is sick. There's Highland Park, right? And then there's um, certainly Frisco. And then Grapevine Main Street yeah. is always a, yes. a good one because they have the music and they have the lights and, the, and all of the stores, you know, go full in on it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a cool place to go. Downtown McKinney. I've it's not like been there. Quintessential Hallmark movie. When are we going? Let's go next weekend. Down. It's like Christmas lights everywhere. Sometimes they have carolers walking around. It's very similar feel to Grapevine. Like all the stores are Because they have a whole Christmas old stuff. town area yes. down there. I bet Louisville's probably got some fun stuff because they have an old town area that they've been trying to revitalize yeah. for a few years now. And you went to Ice the other day, right? At Gaylord? I did. How was yeah. it? We go Polar, every year. Polar we, Express name? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's turned into kind of a, a, a tradition now. You know, we all have little ones. I've got a, a one, th uh, one, three and eight. And then, uh, we have a couple of nieces. Um, I think the oldest one's 11 now. So it's, there's, there's a gap now that they're probably passing, but we are at that point. We go every year. Oh, oh man, my daughter, my middle daughter froze so bad. She was shaking in my arms. <laughs> And it was just like, we just could not get her out of there fast enough, you know? And yeah. I feel kind of bad. It's, it's cold in there. Yeah. Nine, you, nine, degrees. The parkers, nine degrees. Where the parkers? Yeah. We well, yeah, you have to. Oh, yeah. what's that mall too? There's a mall that does, um, oh, in the, Dallas for the ice skating. No, not the Galleria. The, um, it's, it's up like North Dallas. It's like past university park. Um, North park, North park mall. North yeah. Park. It's okay. badass on yeah, it's decked Christmas. Out. Okay. Um, Okay, Sean, you're on the hot seat. I want to call you out. Uh-oh. <laughs> you said something. Let me, uh, let me call my attorney. You said something a bit contradicting in the in pre previous podcasts. It kind of like hit me the other day. And uh -huh. I was like, I'm going to, I got to confront him about this. So I was talking in past podcasts about stocks and you're like, I don't do stocks. I stay out of the <laughs> stock market. I buy real estate. Yeah. But then at the yeah. same time, you hype up EXP stock. Yeah. So I I just did a video um, about like pro my version of pros and cons of EXP because I felt like every video I watch is more of a recruitment video. Not to say that's not a good idea, but I just wanted to make something that's like an unbiased. Like this is what I like. This is what I don't like. And well, I'll give you the unbiased bias. Well, yeah. So that's what I wanted you to, to clarify is like, so for someone that doesn't invest in stocks, like I invest in stocks and I opted out of EXP because I don't like investing in EXP personally, like as a stock, but you're like the opposite. So what do you, why do you, is that the only stock you have and why? Uh, you know what? 
I think it is the only stock that I have. I, you know, I, I was, I was an employee for years and I had a 401k and I did, I, I learned how to manage and find ways to make money when the market was difficult. Um, I did well in my 401k, you know, I didn't just go aggressive. I, I, I split it up and I had a nice mix. I generally made more than 10%. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I had a 401k for probably 15 plus years in the different places I worked for. Um, you know, it's free money to me at, at, when I had a 401k because a lot of them had company matches and our company match was, I think, 50% up to 5%. I think the off, that was the offer. So I would max out the 5% and, you know, because it's just 50% free money, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have a problem with that. And that was the tools and, and you know, and, and I got the rules and I, I learned the game. Um, as far as like becoming a day trader or doing any of that, I, I have almost zero interest. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you one fun story. This will kind of put it in, in perspective and it's, it's a Donald Trump story, right? Love so it. Donald Trump is, um, he, he doesn't invest, I think a lot in anything that he can't touch or feel. That's a big deal for him. And, and he got a hot tip on an oil opportunity in Texas. This is, you know, back in the eighties from his book. If you read his book, I, so it's from his book and you got a hot tip on it. And the guy's like, man, you're going to make double your money in six months and all these things. And he actually put the agreement together. He went to go sign it. He slept on it, woke up the next day and said, you know, I don't know what it is, but I just can't do it. Mm-hmm. And, and he ended up saying no. And I think some period after that, the entire thing went belly up and everyone lost their money. And his reflection on it is it was investing in something he couldn't touch, seal, see, or feel. He invests in buildings. He invests in assets that he can appreciate and build. Okay. I think he sees himself more as a builder. But my point is, you know, as far as like assets, I do real estate. I do um, buy and holds long term because I can touch, feel, and see them. And it's just. It, it emotionally it makes me feel better. I don't sure. know what it is. Like they always go up in value and no, I'm not earning 20% on them, but someone else is paying the note for me. So yeah. I'm making money on their money. That's a really cool kind of feeling, right? Yeah. And I make money five ways. We can talk about that another time. And now let's come back to EXP stock. Um, I don't buy excess stock of EXP intentionally. I don't but they give me so much stock because of agents that join and because of uh, transactions that I complete, you know, I've probably sold a hundred million in real estate at EXP alone. And just by that, I've got a massive amount of stocks available. You know, it exploded about three years ago and it was so much extra money. I was able to renovate my entire house and then file an insurance claim later because they weren't, they didn't approve it right away. So I went ahead and renovated the home anyway. And it took seven or eight months, but I already had the money. I took care of it, I, I did it. So I didn't have to wait. You know, I had three kids. My, our last baby was born and we weren't going to stay in a hotel for, you know, a year. Right. So we had to get it done and the, and they, and it gave me the ability to do it. And it's, it's a, you know, almost no other real brokerages are offering the ability to take ownership in your own company. And that's kind of the third reason why I'm mm-hmm. pretty into that opportunity. You know, I don't take EXP stock and sell it and go buy other things. I just leave it alone. And yeah. right now it's 11 bucks a share, which is incredibly low. Yeah. You know, I was there when it got up to 150, mm-hmm. you know, when we split and it was amazing Yeah, because we made a lot of money and it made, so it made it, during that time, I'll tell you one quick story when you can move on to something else. There were more millionaires at real at, at EXP than all of the licensed real estate agents in the U S it just selling real estate overnight. It made more millionaires just working at EXP that had stock. Yeah. 
incredible. The, the, just the comparison of that, right? And yeah. we're talking like at the time we probably had 50,000 agents, but you don't make million, the millionaires is a real hard to, deal to do helping buyers and sellers in real estate. I'll just be honest. Yeah. You know, I, I move a lot of property and I ain't made a million dollars a year in real estate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Commissions. Anyway, that was just my other. Yeah. Well, shout out Ricky Carruth. He's, he's, he's cranking out a million a year. There are he's agents that do. Yeah. But, I did a podcast with him not too long ago. He's been, he's finally like reaching back out a little bit. So I'm like, we should do another one. So Ricky, let's do another podcast. But um, <laughs> that's a tough thing. Congratulations yeah. to him. It is a hard no, thing to do with yeah. selling houses. And that actually leads into the next thing I wanted to talk about was uh, lead generation. I'll blend it into what I've been doing. Um, and then I want you to kind of give your backstory a little bit because I know we yeah. kind of skimmed over that. But um, so, we were just, we just came out of a meeting and, um, there's a lot of conversations about kind of like what agents should be doing in order to generate business right now. And there's a lot of kind of, I don't know, different opinions. And I've just, you know, the, since joining with you, I've kind of had access to more leads than I had before. And what I would say is it debunked this kind of myth I had about online leads thinking that like, okay, if I can just get enough leads, it's going to be much easier than doing cold calls. Right. So I, I haven't done a cold call from 2020, which that's like, used to be like what all I did, like before I joined the team at HomeSmart, that, or when I was at HomeSmart before I joined True West, that was really the only thing I'd did to really generate business because I didn't have money to go spend on ads and things of that sort. So I kind of went from that to just lead generation. And then now I was like, you know, these leads, it's the, the, what I'm spending, what I'm kind of the responses, like the conversions of it, I almost felt like it's just better to do cold calls. So I went, I waited for cyber Monday and I got um, back in with red X and I called 61 people yesterday and got four quality leads out of it. Just cold calling. And that's what Ricky Carruth, that's how he got to those numbers that he's talking about. And it's just like, do the newsletter, add those people from cold it, calls it into can, it. It can be scalable. It's you extremely can, scalable. Yeah, yeah, you can create volume, you know, where you're the end funnel when it's being scrubbed to you. Yeah. And you can make it a, a, a scalable business where you can create a lot of opportunities doing that for sure. Yeah. And I'll be honest too, like aside from what it's doing to like what it will do for your business, like I think it's kind of, it, it, there's, it's, it's like working out. Like it's very hard to get yourself back into it when you stop for a while, mm-hmm. but doing it's kind it of like again, you went, went it, from working to getting a break from that. Mm-hmm. And now you're having to go back to well, that. Your but, roots. Yeah. And not only that, but what I was getting at is that it like not making cold calls to me takes the fun out of sales. Like that is the most fun part because it's like, it's so hard to get yourself to go want to do it. You do it. And then you start get, it's like the thrill of like, this person's probably going to tell me to F off, you know, (laughs) and and just that adrenaline. And then you get people that want to work with you and it just does something for your like confidence for talking to people like with leads. I don't know. I'm starting to, so I'm, I'm really excited. I'm going to hold you. I'll bet you $200 right now. So the 2023 I'll do, I'll do icon 2023, like next year. Cold calls. So I want to, I want to be held accountable. If you do it, I owe you 200. Yeah. And if you don't do it, if you I owe me do, 200. 200 yeah. I mean, I've got nothing to lose. That's an easy deal for me. I'm in. Deal. Live bet. On <laughs> this air. is what I tell my team about cold calls. The hardest thing is just picking up the phone that it first is. time. And for myself as well, picking up that phone that first time because you're like, oh my gosh, what if they answer? What no, I nobody wants rejection. What if they don't answer? Yeah. I always say you're going to be in the same position you are. Yeah. All you can get is better from where you're sitting. Yeah. Right. You're going to get that one person who wants to work with you where 
five minutes ago, you had nobody working with you. Mm-hmm. If they hang up the phone on you, you're in the exact same position. You don't have anybody working with you. Yeah. But let's say you get that deal. You're one step forward. 100%. So the worst is you're going to have somebody hang up on you and you're going to be in the same position. You don't have a client. Mm-hmm. The best is you have a client. 100%. And once you get in that rhythm, it is like exercise. It's, yeah. You keep going. It's easily done. And what I would say, too, is some of my, my favorite clients I got from calling for sell by owner, for rent by owner. And... um like, ah, there was a point I wanted to make. I can't remember what it was though. It's, mm, dang, that's gonna drive me crazy. I can add, yeah. yeah. You know, and it's funny, I, I speak because of how what makes sense to me. I, I did never have to do the cold call business. You know, I've just, I, I got a real estate license and I had a full-time job and I, I was able to kind of grow into it. And when I left my, company, then I was already had a brokerage and had agents, but by the time I got really going. Um, but I can think through, you know, the, the psychology of it, right? So there's always that thinking that your objective every day is you need to get 10 no's, Mm -hmm. right? If you're always looking for the win and you're not getting, you're getting rejection, you get frustrated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But if you know that if you got 10 no's, you probably got two yeses. And even if you don't, it's just, let me get, let me get through this faster because I just want to get 10 no's. And what happens is, is you start building a list of people that want to meet and have a conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's really all we're looking for. The four leads he got out of 60, that's, that's amazing, right? Because now we have four opportunities now that we can kind of work through. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> and I remember what it was. So you were talking about the hardest things, picking up the phone. Yeah. I'll tell you, the, when I first started making cold calls in 20, this is super embarrassing, but like it, 2017, 2018, um, the guy just like, and people sense weakness, you know, like when you come off, like I can be broken on this call, people will break you, you know? And like, I cried the first time I made a cold call. Cause I was just like, I was so mentally committed to real estate that I was like, this is it. This is what I'm going to be dealing with the rest of my life is people, yeah. you know, this kind of emotion. But what I realized was that, you know, I've made, I've, I guarantee I've made over a hundred thousand cold calls, like various industries, car sales, um, insurance and real estate. And what I realized was that, you know, no matter what they say, if they don't agree to the appointment, they will never, you'll never meet them in person. Like if you do, they'll never remember that conversation. They yeah. can't put a face to you and it doesn't matter. Like it yeah. just, it literally has no effect. And the thing is, is when you deal with people that have no relationship with you and you're trying to form a, like you're trying to sell their greatest asset without knowing them, just a random call, you know, like, what I've noticed is when you go back to work in those leads, like the warmer leads, you have to work so hard to figure out how you're going to add value to someone that doesn't know you that when you get those leads, it's like, it's butter. It's just like, there's, you know, I already know how to add value to leads, but you know, I can, I'm now being more detailed and spending more time on these calls and, you know, being more efficient with it. So I like, I think everyone should do it. And my goal right now, you know, I think a lot of people are like, I'm going to get, they, they get into cold calling and they're like, I'm going to get two listings this month from this. I'm going to get like my goal now, like doing as many as I've done is knowing that it's just like working out. Like I'm just going to show up the first week. I'm going to make calls. Like I really did not want to call for sell by owners this morning, but I cranked like 20 out before I came out here. Cause I was like, I just need to get myself back in the habit of waking up and getting told to F off, you know? Yeah, <laughs> just like, yeah. So that's, um, that, that I think that, man, like that, that's, um, I, I think that's more valuable to me. Like, and I know everyone's going to be different, but then 
everyone's trying to prepare for 2023. Like, I think that's what I would tell anyone that's like serious about trying to grow is like, pick up the phone, you know, yeah. just got to pick up the phone. The, the other psychology, and I can always talk about the psychology of it, but your, your why has to be greater than their no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're going to get a lot of no's. So Lots of your no's. purpose mm-hmm. and where you're going and your why maybe I need to get 10 no's out of the way that today, or it could be, I need to get two listings a month. Yeah. I like to do it in reverse. I think doing it positive that way is not the way to do it, but you can. I mean, that's certainly a goal. And and your why and your purpose has to be greater than whatever their no is to you to keep you motivated to keep going. 100%. Now I have a question for both of y'all. Um, and I'm the worst, by the way, if you call me cold call. <laughs> Same. I'm not. I'm trying to be nicer because I'm like, if I chew this person out, it's just going to be karma. Like, <laughs> you know. Can I speak to the why? Yeah. So I think a lot of times real estate agents look at real estate and forget the why and the motivation behind it. They live off of the fun or the sale or the relationships that they gain and they forget the why. Your why is to sell a million dollars a year or to make a million dollars a year, right? Or whatever it might be, mine's to feed my family. Yours is to build generational wealth, whatever that might be. When you lose sight of that, you lose all motivation to keep running in life. And so I think coming back and a lot of times you get into real estate and maybe you don't ever sit down and figure out your why. I think agents in this season that we're walking into, you do have to get down to the basics and you need to figure out what was my why back then and what is my why today? Because it might have changed. But I think in the season that we're going into speaking to cold calling, Mm -hmm. I think we have to get back to the basics in what is my why? What's my motivation and how am I going to make that happen? hundred percent. And that's a good point. So I'll I'll lead this one and I want y'all's too. So I'm going to tell my why and then y'all tell y'all's why. Mine, Mine is strictly I want control of my time and I want control like even with this podcast, like I, I don't want to be like fearful of saying something that rubs a client the wrong way. I want to be able to say whatever I want and and just, you know, and the thing is, is like with cold calls, people look at it like, oh, I might have to do this to get business. It's like, if you just, if you just decide like, I'm going to do this with my time, then you have more control in other areas because it's just something you're willing, like it's the way you look at it. Like yeah. you're more willing to do it. So you don't have to, like for me, the other option is, well, then if I don't do this, I'm going to have to go work rentals mm-hmm. and I don't want to go work rentals, but that's, right. if I'm just waiting for things to come to me. So that mine is more just, control of time and I guess like freedom of speech, I guess, but that's kind of broad. So like, what was, would yours be? For sure. My children building generational wealth. Real quick. Time blocking gives freedom of time. I like that. Yeah. I, I tell you, think about the way this is what you're trying to say. Time blocking creates freedom of time 100%. in other ways, right? Even, even your own business today, but it also allows you, cause it takes more time to do a rental for the money mm-hmm. than it does to sell a house, mm-hmm. yeah. right? So that's against, it ends up affecting that on that end too. Yeah. So anyway. 100%. My why is definitely my children, uh, creating generational wealth, changing their life for them, empowering them and teaching them hard work so they can see it for themselves. Yeah. They love to be a part of what I do, whether it's investing or helping me, you know, just with life. Yeah. So for me, my why is my kids and creating a new life for them. Do you have a, do you have a more selfish why that might leave that why as a byproduct of the original, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, for sure. It's very similar to, to control my own life for yeah. sure. Being able to work when I want, where I want, how I want. And that, that is the, the nitty gritty of it. Yeah. I have, I have kids, so I want to be present in their life. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be grinding it out for somebody else. I want to help people. And so I can do that in the sphere in the way that I want to. Yeah. And that's important because, because while your kids are your why, 
you really, you do have, and you want to be present with them Mm -hmm. by like the example that you're having to set for them. That is your why. Like you kind of do have to spend time away from them in order to show, you know what I mean? So it's like, that's kind of a funny, um, they also get drugged along a lot of different work things. So they see me working, which I love. I can take them to look at flip properties. I can take them, you know, to meet with a contractor, whatever that might be. That's awesome. And I'm showing them hard work tangibly. They also like it. They've learned to, to love real estate because of that. But for me, then I can potentially pick them up from school or make their basketball games, cheerleading, all of their plays, that kind of stuff. And then selfishly, like I could take a weekend away because I can work elsewhere mm-hmm. in real estate doing what I do from thousand miles away. Yeah. So it is the beauty of hard work and play but in the way that I want it to happen. Yeah. And I feel like discipline kind of just bridges that mm-hmm. gap, you know, it does. like without discipline, you get none of that. Yeah. You get none of the time blocking. <laughs> you get none of the, you know, beauty of showing your kids hard work, but none of the ability mm-hmm. to spend time with them. Yeah. What's your why, Sean? The, the objective, right, is to move from cold to warm. Cold is short term income. Long is, you know, war- warm is long term income. So the goal when you were talking about working your own schedule, the way to do that is to have a 100% referral based business, Mm -hmm. which means you decide who you work with when you work with them. Right. So I even set, you know, even with clients I work with now, I tell them when the availability is Mm -hmm. and then that's when we're going to go to work. And it may not be weekends and evenings. And for me, it's not. I mean, I'd say 95% of the time I don't work weekends. That was a very unusual thing when I met you at Weston's event. Uh, cause I don't generally go to things yeah. in the evenings, you know, I just, I haven't had to, and you know, I have a one and a three-year-old to start and they have full yeah. hands on the whole time. Yeah. Um, what are we talking about? The why? Yeah. What's your why? Uh, it, you know, I, I, I like the term generational wealth. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it doesn't give me much inspiration personally because I feel like I would rather coach and teach others to build themselves wealth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can. Let's, you know, I know that I could probably forego a lot of things and make a lot of money. I think I'm, I think I'm built to do it. I really do. I see it. I know, I know how to get there, but every time I've been in those scenarios, they just don't drive or motivate me. Coaching and teaching and helping others achieve goals or putting people to work in general is, is really more inspirational for me. You know, like the, I, I, I wrote, I know I've mentioned this to you, Wes, and so I wrote one of my looking back year in review and during covid i put a lot of people to work and i felt more inspired by that and i think that year i sold like 38 million in real estate which you know was pretty good yeah and on 120 transactions right that's closing like three a week yeah and that's good but what was great is that i knew at any given point in time i had hundreds of people working in an economy where everybody was not working right where they had struggled to find work and, and things like that so that's always been you know a passion for me is to coach and teach others to have you know success like even my group is a loot it's kind of loosely referral based group true west realty group i don't have them have to use my brand they don't have to join anything outside of that. I only charge a small percentage for being in it mm-hmm. and they get full access to me with any transactional issues they have, which I think is a pretty good thing because I solve problems pretty fast. You know, I save a lot of people a lot of time. Um, and that's just kind of where I'm at. That drives me more than anything else, you know. 
So do you have, I'm asking you the same thing I asked her, but do you have a more selfish one that's like, again, that can make helping inspiring other people more of a byproduct of that? Like what kind of, maybe it's like a lifestyle you want to achieve. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, you know, I, I think if I were to think of it selfishly, the thing that always used to drive me even before I got into all of this is being someone that people would call on to resolve or answer a question or an issue. Cause I'm an incredibly good problem solver. I can see solutions in a lot of things and I want to be thought of for anything. It doesn't have to be real estate. I don't even know why I'm selling real estate. (laughs) I think I've told you that before, but I know how to solve real estate problems. So I become very proficient at, and I help others do that too, but it can be a relationship issue. I mean, it doesn't matter. Like I think of, it's a lot of psychology. Yeah. I mean, it's just a lot of it is like even the emotional part of buying and selling a house or, you know, you just don't get along with the spouse. I mean, it's a lot of emotional things that get involved. I'm just, I'm good at kind of seeing it in a more neutral way to think through and work through in a more effective way. I guess. Have you always been like that? Cause both answers there are, I mean, they're, they're both kind of just being in service to people. So like, if you I always, like it. it's I always like been service. like that or yeah, do you I, have like a come to Jesus moment where it's like, man, I need to start thinking about other people. Well, I did when I was like five or six. That's, 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 like when, I be, that's when I became a believer. You know, I was yeah. very little. Um, and I did with my grandma. She yeah. did it on at, at her house. I still, she has it. She wrote it in her Bible. Mm-hmm. And my son did, did that. What? I love that. Wrote, uh, my, my testimony. Come to Jesus. My real come to Jesus. Okay. Yeah. So I, yeah. So I had, I mean, I was, I was like saved and stuff and I was like, I was, I was very young, you know, but like, I just, I still like it. Just still thinking of like considering other people in those goals is like, I mean, I'm, I'm still bad at it. Like, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll try to make it as selfish. <laughs> nice. I like to be totally free of debt. Cause I still have a lot of debt, a lot of real estate debt. We don't have our cars paid off and that holds me in bondage to mm-hmm. freedom, mm-hmm. you know, in that sense, I would like to have all of that completely paid off. Mm-hmm. You know, we started late in life. I started building success late in life. I had to pay for all my college and most of Stacy's college. Mm-hmm. So we started way behind a lot of my peers and friends at my age. Mm-hmm. A lot of them were given jobs. They had their college paid. Most people, most of my friends had their college paid for. So, you know, I started way behind on all that. I'm still catching up. Mm-hmm. You know, I wish that I could be much farther along in that regard. Yeah. And I'm not. You know, that's frustrating to me because yeah. I talk as if I'm a multimillionaire because that's the way I think and see things. Yeah. But, you know, we're not there today financially. Yeah. So that's that's a frustration for me personally. I think I'm held, you know, in bondage to mm-hmm. debt. Yeah. So that's why just make sure to subscribe and like because we got to we got to become millionaires. Yeah. So that's the only way it's going to happen is just if you yeah. subscribe. So. So when we met, we connected over the psychology of real estate. We talked a lot about that and we talked a lot about helping others. I'm super passionate about that as well. I like, if you need a plumber, come find me. If you need relationship advice, come find me. So have you read the book, The Go-Giver? I know that book. Okay. It would speak to your soul. The whole idea of goal giver is that when you help somebody else, it's going to come back around. I mean, you can call it karma. You can call it sowing and reaping, whatever you want to call it. But for me, I'm very theology. eh, Agreed. I totally agree with you on that one. But for me, the go giver speaks to my heart in the aspect of if I can't help you, even like I work a mortgage, right? So if I can't help you, I'm going to tell you to go find this person who can help you. Even if I'm going to lose that deal, 
because I want it to be best for you. And I'm very passionate about that. We've talked about this in deals before where I'm like, hey, Weston, I can't make this happen. Try this and I think it'll happen. Like I'm, I'm gonna do the best thing for the buyer ultimately yeah. because I'm very passionate about that. Yeah. The idea of the go-giver is basically rising tide raises all ships. Yeah. And for me, I'm very on top of that. Like that is my heart and my soul through and through because I believe that when you give and you sow, it's going to come back to you in the end. Yeah. And so if I can't make something happen, I'm going to go feed it to somebody else who can because ultimately I know that I've helped that person and that's what matters in the yeah. end. So I think you should read that book. It's fan- it's yeah, a whole, it it's a five part series. Um, there's one that talks about marriage. There's one that talks about sales. There's one that talks about being a manager. And I think it's, if you work in real estate, honestly, I think everybody should read it. But if you work in real estate, I do believe you should read it because it's just the whole concept that it comes back down to the end goal is to always help somebody. Mm-hmm. And how are you helping somebody? Yeah. It's a phenomenal book. Yeah. I will say real estate has made me more like considerate of other people and like more mm-hmm. grateful for like relationships and things of that sort. Like, because when I go, like, especially like Thanksgiving, when I'm going to like write something, I'm like, I got to write something that's like, genuine you know and it's like what am i you know what am i grateful for on these kind of things that's i don't know like i don't know it makes it just it has made me more like it's because it kind of forces you to be in service other people like you're not going to make money if you're just long term if you're just kind of it's funny ironically i did most everything the hard way right i mean i'd pay for everything and i I accumulated all my own debt and paid it all off. And, but, you know, but doing that really sucked all of my empathy out of a lot of whiners. Mm-hmm. So I'm naturally not very empathetic, shockingly, mm-hmm. you know, cause I'm, I understand and I know how to solve problems, but I can't put myself in their emotional shoes. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, suck it up. There's way yeah. worse problems yeah. than that. Like yeah. let's move forward. You sound like me talking to my children. (laughs) There are way worse problems in life. (laughs) So um, another topic I wanted to get into was, uh, so I'm watching, watching a lot of kind of videos trying to stay educated on the market and people are talking about, you know, obviously, and I'm, I'm getting notifications from a lot of like, especially from EXP about like from the mentor program, it's like so-and-so is dropping out of real estate. So-and-so is you, you lost another mentee. And it's like, I'm curious whether like when, when, sales dip and all, I mean, agents are, every agent's going to be affected by a slower market. Right. But I was curious on y'all's takes, like if y'all think that all agents are really like affected equally, you know, like, is it, it what I mean by that is like it, are some more insulated in the market well, than others. Or? Yeah. So like, like it, do y'all think that, okay, so let's say someone sold three homes last year and someone sold, I don't know, a hundred homes last year. And let's say like sales are down 10%. Do you think that's evenly distributed or is that like agents that aren't doing a lot, like that 10% dip in sales is going to affect, like maybe get them out of the business. Whereas someone that's like more established, it's going to maybe like reduce their income. Does that make sense? It definitely reduced my income this year. I'm sure it did in mortgage. I'm sure mortgage, I've talked to plenty of people in mortgage. Even Jeff said the same thing. I mean, his, his numbers real low. Um, and he has a big office with a bunch of empty desks. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's a big operation he's got going and, it, 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 it's a tough thing. I know for me, I've always been, I've been going up since I've been at EXP. You know, I did 17 million, 32 million, 38 million. And this year, I do not think I'm going to cross 30. It's my first time to go backwards. It was a big drop for me. And honestly, for most people I talk to, it's been bad in general for real estate agents and people in mortgage mm-hmm. that are, you know, we're, we're at that 
you know, the cusp. We're right there talking to the clients. We're there. And it's been tough for all of them. I've had a few exceptions. I think Haley said she's had a great year, mm-hmm. you know, but she's brand new to this market. So right. she's kind of like an outlier in that sense. Right. It's not like she was at this market last year. Right. She came in, she found a niche, did well. Um, and, you know, and it's fantastic. But I think for the most part, most people are, you know, because right now I'm back to rebuilding my entire database and looking at all my past clients. I mean, I'm having to regenerate, you know, opportunities and interests, you know, because I know a lot of them are going to be moving. And if I haven't talked to them in the last year or two, they're going to forget, you know, mm-hmm. you don't become top of mind, mm-hmm. you know, so they'll immediately think, well, let's call so-and-so, your friend's an agent, and they forget who they sold, you know, sold them right. the house and it happens. Yeah. You know, I don't take right. it personal. I know that if I'm not top of mind, they'll, they'll forget. So even I'm going back and trying to dig up and create, I'm using, um, Homebot right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Man, fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I found out about Homebot from a mortgage company. Mm-hmm. Um, his name's Wade Betts. You know, he's a great uh, lender. He worked for Guardian at the time. And I got my loan on my personal home, my first house I bought, 2007. And he went back like six or seven years, you know, after I bought my house when he got this program and enrolled me in it, mm-hmm. you know. And I'd been, I, cl- I closed them years before. And then it showed me like, daily rent value for a VRBO on my house, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. rental value, equity built yeah. based on, you know, recorded deed. And it has a lot of clever information. It just kind of puts your mind thinking where you weren't thinking about those things before. Yeah. yeah. And I had so that's, that's someone over the weekend that did that. They're like, Hey, you know, I think we probably should rent ours out and go buy another one right. that we live in. And then we'll rent that out. Cause I'm gonna have to move in two years. Yeah. So then he has two rental properties making them. Yeah generational wealth. So well, that's, that's kind of the, like real quick, that's kind of an overview of like, yeah, the market's <clears throat> low. These are a few things agents can be doing, but to the question, like, do you think that they're all affected equally? Like all agents? No, I think people that have been in business a long time are more insulated. I mean, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. You know, I didn't, I didn't run out and go to Home Depot and start working. Right. Mm-hmm. I right. mean, I have some time that I can go and generate opportunities again for my own over my own sphere yeah not even going outside my sphere the, the point yeah. i want to make on that then is because so what you just said home bought kind of staying in touch with past clients and maybe doing certain creative things and what i would say is like if someone insulated like you is saying something like that i think that people that are new need to be doing 10 times what you're saying yeah because it's just like you can take like take advice from people that are selling a lot more than you but understand like you can't be as comfortable as someone that is well it's not duplicatable Right. Yeah. Not necessarily duplicate. Your sphere of influence is smaller and you don't have past sales to show proof of concept. Right. Yeah. No, you, you have to do a lot. And more. What, well, what do you say is not duplicatable? Calling an extensive sphere of influence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, I can answer this in a different way, mm-hmm. you know, because we kind of talked about that in, in Nikki six, one of my agents, she was talking today. I had her. She talks about different topics, stuff on my on my weekly calls. And she was talking about staying motivated and trusting what works. You know, they're, you're going to do things that they worked in the past mm-hmm. and they, and you get beat down because the market is not, we don't have a lot of high turnover, right? Mm-hmm. As agents, we make money on real estate turnover. If there's not turnover, then there's less transaction, less opportunity. So even though the turnover is down, she says, focus on trusting what works. So I started kind of thinking through this and then I had some quick things that came to mind. Um, one was uh, uh, you need to do real estate related activities, right? So we're going to network. Yeah. Go to events. Yeah. You know, we connected there. Yeah. Um, reconnecting with other people in real estate is a good place to, to it creates synergy. 
Mm-hmm. You know, now we're talking with people that are going through the same experiences and finding things that work for them and that don't work for them. And those are opportunities for us to kind of involve ourselves in the real estate business. Mm-hmm. Don't just stay home, make phone calls, get frustrated and say, it's too much work. I'll do something else. Yeah. Well, that's what I a lot of people do. You can join a networking group. You can do all of that. It's going to cost you an investment probably like, you know, master networks or BNI or something like that. There's plenty of masterminds that you can join. And I I do think you can do that. But here's the thing. If you look at Facebook or uh, Eventbrite, you are going to find free real estate, mortgage Mm -hmm. events listed all the time. Find those in your area, go just show up to them. And you're going to find like-minded people that you're potentially gonna make an offer with someday or receive an offer with down the road. So I think you're key on that to network as much as possible. And what I would add on to that too is like, cause I think that we're all at different stages in our careers, obviously. So like for me, I still feel like, you know, Kobe number eight and I'm like headhunting and I'm, I'm so competitive with it. So when I go to these like um, events, it's not, you know, I, like for me, what it does psychologically is just, it, it makes me so competitive because I could be at home and thinking like, oh, I'm doing, I'm, I'm the shit right now. I'm selling yeah. a lot. Of, and then you go out and it's like, man, I'm not doing anything compared to these people. Yeah. And it's like, it, it, I don't know, like the, it, it expands kind of what you think is possible and it makes you realize like, oh, like what I think, what I think is maybe not possible. People are, there's plenty of people doing it. So it's yeah. just, you know, that's the value I get a lot from being at those. Join new groups. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, for me, church is an easy group. We've got a small group that I joined and I probably did four or five transactions out of that just from the relationships I built there. But I would, you know, most of us that have kids, their kids are involved in things. Mm-hmm. You know, don't just sit in the stands, like actually connect with the other people that have kids in the group and you'll find, you know, what they do and mm-hmm. maybe how ways you can help them. That's usually a great thing. Like, uh-huh. you know, what you were saying before, finding ways you can help others in their business is a value add. You know, at some point that's that, there's a reciprocity in there that what well, you invested in me, I don't, it's kind of like if you go to, um, if you go to like the mall and they have the people in the center aisles and they're giving out free samples, mm-hmm. it, it, there's a psychological thing in there uh-huh. that makes you feel vested to at least listen to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Well, yeah. they gave me something free. I should at least listen. And that's why they give it away because <clears throat> they know they're going to have buy in interest doing that. You know, you helping others creates a little bit of that as well. Yeah. And, and it's not intentionally selfish, but it is self-serving in a sense too. Yeah. You know, right. I'm going to invest in yours. I hope when you think about real estate, you you invest back into mine yeah. and as part of it. But joining, um, you know, those type of things and connecting with people in those groups, those are easy ways. They don't cost anything. Right. Yeah. You know, and that puts you in non real estate agent territory where people have buyer and seller needs. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Let's do a curveball. Balenciaga. And then we'll get back into real estate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Um, did y'all see anything on Balenciaga? What is that? I don't know. You don't know? Mm-hmm. Like 100% you, okay. So this is wild. So um, I guess like a week or two ago, by the time this comes out, it'll probably be like a month. But um, so there's, they, Balenciaga. They're a famous, well-known you don't even know what luxury is? brand. Oh, I don't know. Oh, it's, it's okay. okay. I'm not I pop saw culture. his face and I was like, wait, well, hold back. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a pop a, culture guy. It's, a, it's not pop culture. It is a fashion house, very high end luxury brand promoted by a lot of celebrities. Yeah. My wife would kill me because she loves make, all that stuff. You need to well, ask her about it too. Well, she'll change your mind on uh-huh. this because I, man, I, I really wanted those Balenciaga tennis shoes. They were really cool. But Did you? Okay. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to get these at some point. But then now. What like, was the cost on those? They're like 
1100. Okay. They're pretty just established baseline for you. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, um, we're like, I'm, I didn't see the ad, but I saw afterwards. And so there's a, what was she like two or three, like a two or three year old yeah. kid is holding a teddy bear and in like bondage. Like it's very, it's like child porn. Like oh, it's, like S and M. Yeah, uh-huh. like so that was happening. Like and there's multiple different slides. Right, so that was happening. And then there's a, they had this picture on a desk, right? And it was showing the legal document about basically child pornography. Like so, it's like it's not like it was just this by chance. Oh, we don't know how this happened. Like it was a very strategic. This is this was sexualizing children. Like that's what it was doing. So there are two different ad campaigns. One had children posing with. BDSM items, all Balenciaga branded, and toys, dolls, teddy bears wearing BDSM clothing. That was one ad campaign. A separate ad campaign was like an office setting, multiple different photos again, and they had books that depicted uh, child assaults and other very, very grotesque things, as well as this court document that basically is attempting to legalize child pornography. And so two separate ad campaigns that came out very recently, it was a handful of days before Thanksgiving. Yeah. Were they using their name or they supported that? Yeah. Oh, it was, it was Balenciaga's November, right before Black Friday ads coming out, promoting these items. Crazy. And this so is two different ads came out back to back. This is what blows my mind is like, OK, we're we're going to cancel Trump. We're going to cancel Kanye. We're going to cancel all of these people. Yeah. And yet Balenciaga posts this ad. You know how many ads like I'm not a big person, but like when I run ads, especially for housing laws, like it's a special ad category. It, yeah. There's a review process. There's an approval process. I can't tell you. how I think 50 percent of the ads I've tried to run have got denied. And it's not even like anything crazy. Right. So then you have all these other like Balenciaga is like we um, we're looking into this and we're going to we've removed from all platforms. So like all platforms approved this ad. And then, you know, where's the accountability there? Like, how are we going to? Uh, that's that's what blows my mind the most I'd, about I'd it. I'd love to hear your thoughts on them putting out the ads in the first place and then now their apology oh, behind it. Oh, it's trash. It. It's trash. And especially Kim K is a joke. Like it's, it, She's like, it, the past six days, I've just been getting with Balenciaga trying to understand. It's like, what is there to try to understand? It's very obvious what happened. Right. You have four kids that... And I'm a team yay. So like, yeah. they, they, you know, Kanye is making all this fuss, like fuss and you're, they're like, oh, well, he's a dangerous person. Like we don't, you know, and there's all this controversy around him, but then it's like, okay, but you're, she basically like forgave them in her apology. And she's like, I believe that they did the right thing by taking it down and we're going to move forward. It's like, shut up. You just want the money. Like you right. don't care about the, what happened. You just want the money. Like, right. And um, I just think what yay's done is more noble. He's given up money. Now, not to say like some of the stuff that he said is like, I'm not, I'm not taking anything on that. I think that he is, um, I don't know. I think there's points he's making and stuff that maybe is went left, but like in, as a whole, like what this ad is, is to me, like, I don't know. It's pretty, pretty damaging. Um, it says something about like what's acceptable in culture and what's not in my opinion, like, you know, so, and then it took a while for like that to even catch headlines, you know, yay says something that makes the headlines in two hours. And then that was like, how are we going to paint this? It took (laughs) thousands of posts on basically Instagram, I think is the main 
site that's really had people come in uproar against it. Mm -hmm. And for me, watching it kind of build has been very interesting because it's it's really grassroots. It's been these smaller people, some bigger people as well, but mostly small people, just the repost and the repost and the repost. You haven't seen big celebrities come out against. Kim K finally made a statement, what, a day ago, and this yeah. has been seven to 10 with, days building. With no substance, like let's not overlook that. She made a statement right. with zero substance. Did you know, <laughs> so she made the statement and her very next post had her wearing Balenciaga. Oh really? Uh -huh. I missed that. Uh -huh. Yeah. So, uh, so it, it was this grassroots movement of like our children, you're, you're allowing this to be, you know, propagated everywhere as mainstream, totally acceptable. And it took this grassroots movement of basically probably a lot of parents on Instagram to say, this is not okay. I'm not ac accepting this for it to gain any sort of ground from people with more followers, mm -hmm. but you haven't really had any major celebrity politician, etc., come out against it, and which is so on a, like, on a macro view too, right? Like, that shows you all these people that like, again, the Kim K's and all these people, like when there's a, like a racial movement going on, you know, yeah. they're all like, let's, I'm pro, I'm pro all of this, but then they're so quick to cancel Kyrie and Kanye uh -huh. when they do something that in my opinion is, you know, like not even comparable to right. endorsing and taking money from, from that. So I just, I think it's, it's a joke. Like it's all just a joke. Like it's, it's um, it's a, it's a hot mess. Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's shock and awe, mm -hmm. right? So we're going to try to lower the cultural expectation of what is acceptable. Mm -hmm. And by going really low below it, mm -hmm. which it should be, right? So we should have some type of standards in place to protect children and to go way below it without a proper response is, is the objective is to create kind of a, a shock and awe and, and lower that cultural, you know, expectation. Mm -hmm. And that's what they're doing. Yep. And then now when they come a little above it, they're still below where we should be. Right. And yeah. it's going to continue to do that. And that's denigrating right. our cultural acceptance of what's good for us. My question is, have we gone back through any of their other campaigns to see what else, what other white rabbits they tucked in that we've missed? I can tell you right now they have. Has I can tell Absolutely. you they have. And then, but if you bring up what it is specifically, then it's going to be deemed as like ex phobic. Right. You're phobic. Right. Like, so what, you know, it's. Yeah. <sighs> Thanks for that curveball. Yeah. So back to real estate. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, why don't you tell people, we, we haven't got to that yet. Tell people like what you do, how you yeah. got into the business. You clearly don't have a <coughs> Texas accent. So where's, where's that accent coming from and why are you I in our that. state? <laughs> Listen now, I've lived in Texas the longest in okay. my entire life. So I am a Texan. Um, I love Texas. I've spent a good portion of my life here, but I was born in Minnesota. Minnesota? Do I sound Minnesota? Minnesota? Because people in Minnesota make fun of me too. I don't know. That's the only thing. Uh, yeah, my Minnesota, friends are, don't you know? My friend's a big twins fan for twins. God knows why, but. Because they're the twins, <laughs> you know? So born in Minnesota, I actually lived all over the world, moved back to Minnesota, but I've been in Texas 13 years and I spent every summer here through high school. So Texas is home. I came, um, I'm a mortgage loan officer. I work for Homestead Financial Mortgage. I love what I do, helping people get homes. I love to help people who wouldn't otherwise qualify get into homes. I'm very passionate about that. 
but I actually came from real estate investing. I've been investing for quite some time. So buying holds, fix and flips. I love watching a home that's going to fall apart, turn into something beautiful. And so, like I said, bring my kids along. We go look at really bad properties and they now are like that wall's falling down and see those kind of things that um has been fun to watch them learn so i still love real estate investing so super passionate about it but my full-time gig now is helping people get money to get a home awesome um, tell people about your, I don't know, controversial views, political stances. <laughs> uh, well, you can you can find those easily, so it's not hard to do. That's a good answer. Um, I, yeah. No, I'm just joking. Uh, you and I align on most things, okay. yes, and we've talked about this. Yeah. Um, so as a loan officer... Yep. That's the right title, right? Yep. Loan officer. What do you foresee happening? I've asked every mortgage officer that's came on this what they think to expect in the 2023 market. Yeah. Um, I want a hard date on when you think loans are coming down. <laughs> hard date. Yeah. And, I should have gone back and, and listened to previous loan officers. To where, like, where do you think they end up? And this yeah. is, you know, obviously you're not going to be held to this, but like, right. I want everyone's opinion on that. So. Sure. Um, so I, I, what I hope is that it changes tomorrow. Obviously I don't believe that to be true. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fannie came out in September, like the same week the fed announced the rate hike again, Fannie said, Oh, we'll be 4.35 come. I think second quarters, their date, they had a date time. And I was like, Oh, listen, you should not have done that because that is not happening. That means everyone stops buying. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Well, I'll save 3%. I'll just wait. Exactly. So here's the deal. I think that we will see rates continue to kind of stay where they are, increase a little bit. We are going to be over seven. I don't think that's unrealistic. Do I think it's right? No, I don't think we should be in sevens, but I think through first quarter, we're going to stay high. Um, second quarter, I think we'll start to stabilize because that's when the market increases again, right? People want to buy in the spring and summer when kids are out of school and they can move to have them settled before school starts. Okay. I think by summertime, we'll see rates kind of fall down to a more normal range. Fives, sixes potentially. Five uh, I'm going to say five point. Six five by by July first. Sure. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Take me on it. Okay. Cool. Am I might like be it. wrong. I'm I like okay. It. I'm that's the type the, of person the, that will say I am wrong and I was wrong. Do you what? Two hundred. Anyone? Two hundred bucks. Two hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but what? What do you have to do? What's the? I just got to collect two hundred bucks. No. <laughs> no, really. I do think we talked about this earlier. Home values are not going to fall. Um, and fallout, especially here in Texas, even through 2008, Texas was protected. So I do feel like we need to consider that when we're looking at buying, right? You're, if you buy today, you're going to have the lesser price than you're going to have a year from now. Bottom line, Texas has always been protected. Uh, I'm from Minneapolis foreclosures, foreclosures and short sales were the only thing selling in 2008 because there was nothing else. If you were selling your home, you were desperate to sell. And so that didn't happen here. You Mm -hmm. had some, but there wasn't the crazy marketplace that you had in Minnesota in 2008. I don't think we'll hit that. I think you will have some people who bought over asking last year and they're going to have to move for whatever reason. So you are going to see people losing money because of that. Okay. But I don't think we're going to have a total washout of market. Okay. I have another question for you. Yeah. What date do you think you will write your first loan for the metaverse? The metaverse. 
I don't know. I don't have an answer on that one. <laughs> for houses selling a metaverse? Yeah, do, I need a loan. Does Fannie Mae offer some options for conforming loans in the metaverse? They will soon. We need, no. a, we need appraisers. We need appraisers. We need, I, loot, I don't know. We need loot for the roofing. Do we have to have a license to sell real estate there? That's another good question. Zuck, tell us what we need to do. Listen, they're going to make you get a license because it's a way for you to buy into oh, yeah. the system. Yeah, right, let's, let's cover. They need a system. They, they need a system. <laughs> you know, during our meeting, because you jumped on our meeting before this, you said something that I, it was a good way to think through it. It would be better for a buyer to pay a, 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 dis, a, a negotiated amount at 7% than to guarantee 30, 40,000 over on what we were buying, you know, six, seven months prior. Yeah. And why is that? So basically what I said is uh, six, seven months ago in the spring, let's just say March, April, May yeah. of last year, the number I think was a hundred thousand over asking in Frisco, Texas is what you had to offer to get your offer accepted. That's a hundred thousand dollars cash because your home's not going to price for that. So it's better for you to buy at the list price or negotiate down a little bit, negotiate, negotiate a seller's, you know, a seller's twice the interest rate. Exactly. Because ultimately, once you pay that $100,000 cash over asking, you always have that. You lost that money. Yeah, it's gone. You can never refinance that $100,000 right. you paid cash. So today, if you bought a $500,000 house, negotiated on the price or negotiated seller's concession, you can always refinance that mortgage. But last spring, you paid that $100,000. You cannot refinance that money that you paid to the seller. It's perfect. Yeah. Awesome. Um, let's see. We did 2020. Oh, oh, video content. You yes. at your office. Yes. Let me just point at you. You. <laughs> um, y'all did. Y'all have some sort of studio or something, yes. right? Yeah, we do. So and at, I, what y'all did was really cool. Yeah. Like, I think it, the way that y'all that's very I haven't seen a mortgage office do that. I've mm -hmm. seen Jeff and them have that to a degree and they kind of informally will let people come and like, you know, record stuff there. But I think it's more yeah. like their agents with monument. And, but yeah. like y'all just openly invited people to come to y'all's studio and do video content. So what is- Absolutely. So what we do as a company is, I'm not here to just like send me your loans. I'm here to say, hey Weston, who do you wanna be a year from now? Yeah. What can I do to help support that? So I'm gonna help you with marketing materials. We can farm a neighborhood, we can farm, you know, whatever that looks like. I specifically sending materials out. I can help you with open house flyers, all of that. A big thing that we do, like you said, that a lot of other people don't do is we will help you video record content. Yeah. So they let's say green screen, green screen we'll put your logo behind you. We'll do, you know, pop in things that you're looking at when you see real commercials. So we want to help make you as branded as you want to be. You've got your logo. We'll pop that in there, whatever that looks like. We'll come up with content for you to deliver. We'll come up with ideas for background changes, uh, pieces that you should talk about. We'll co-market things together, all of that. My goal isn't to just help you get a loan closed. My goal is to help you be successful and build relationships. Uh, you talked about it earlier. It's the who's suffering today versus not suffering today. Mm -hmm. It's people who have systems in place, who have uh, referral partners and past clients that they're having to put you even talked about it. You're having to revamp what you're doing. That's what we all have to do right now is take our systems that we've had in place, 
revamp those and really utilize those to propel forward. So when I'm helping you create that content, it's items you can use on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, all of that to promote yourself, talking about new ways to close deals, new ways to help your clients, whatever that looks like. Awesome. And then real quick, while we're on that, how do people find you? Maybe John, if you could throw up like your Instagram or something too, and we yeah. get to that. Lindsay Mantel Mortgage. Awesome. Um, yeah, I'm gonna take you up on that. I wanna, yeah. I kind of want to do like parody stuff though. Like, I you should. Do, like, <laughs> It'd be fun. Green screen. <laughs> I, can, I can see that for you for sure. Yeah. Um, I think that might be it. Did y'all have anything else I wanted to talk about? I'm good. Um, we have a couple minutes. This might run over. We talk about buyers during the holidays. Yeah. 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 That's a good one. Why? Okay. Sean, why should buyers take action during the holidays? Um, As in, I, I, if, if you're in a position you need to buy, I mean, this is not any less of an opportunity than almost any other market. You know, buy when you need to buy. Don't allow an opportunity, right? I it, mm-hmm. I can create opportunities out of anything. I mean, even you know, I I only lost. I probably wrote fifteen offers during COVID because I didn't do a lot of buy side things, and I won probably eighty percent of them. I I wasn't doing. I wasn't losing transactions. I was winning. You know, and I I even wrote out all the material for a book. That was one of the things I wanted to do is how to win, how to win homes. You know, when when there's virtually no chance. Yeah. You know, I'm going to show you how we create chances, but uh, now the market's turned, so it's not quite as exciting to write the book. Um, I, I think there's always an opportunity to buy for Drop sure. Drop a comment I mean, if you think Sean should release the book, by the way. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to speak it and so then someone's going to type it up first. First, well, first, uh, when we get to, when we get to 10,000 subscribers, we'll, we'll put it out. And the, We'll give it. We'll we'll do some kind of promotion for it. Like we'll give it free for some people. Yeah, no, I can I can do that. Yeah. Um, all right. What is our bet though? Yeah, we need a bet. First chapter out by end of first quarter. Yeah. All right. Well, let me concise this because because you asked a big question. What should buyers do to take auction in the yeah. holiday? The simple answer is there's homes that are on the market. Mm-hmm. There is uh, sellers that are in a position that need to move and move quick. Um, I've got a couple of transactions that are dependent on the sell at the home. Mm-hmm. So they've got a lot of motivation out there. Uh, I've got um, a couple of divorce situations coming up and they need they need to sell. You know, uh, I took a crazy dumb offer, um, you know, but it is what it is in my house in Tacoma, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. uh, but we needed to move the property because it was better for the family than dealing with the stress. So we ended up selling it. So there's opportunities right now that definitely did not exist even in the last three years. Yeah. yeah. You know, you can create that. Uh, opportunity and you know interest rates can always be refied yep. or they can be bought down mm-hmm. so if that's your hold up then those both those items can be overcome yeah absolutely yeah i think there's i think there's more room there's deals to be had and there's more room to negotiate right now sure. during the holidays there's just less people moving but i think that's pretty much it um lindsay if you want to tell people again how to find you yep. lindsay men's home mortgage instagram um sean uh, you can call me. How That's the easiest that? way. 214-228-0383. Uh, and I appreciate it. I had one call the other day. Um, they want to sell their house and buy a house. So nice. I've got it and I'll be able to get all of it settled for them. They had some title issues, but it's problems that I like. Awesome. I can solve it for them. Uh, and you can find me on Instagram, Sean Corbett Realtor. 
um, and on Facebook or YouTube. That's where most of my content is being set up. So lots awesome. of good stuff there. Awesome. And yeah, obviously you can find me on this channel. Um, <laughs> like, subscribe, share. Uh, by the time this comes out, it's going to be ah, the holidays. So I think I want to do like, if you leave a comment, I'm going to leave a comment, screenshot it, subscribe, show proof of all that. And then I'll send like a mystery gift. I'm going to send something out to somebody. So do all that and then you'll be rewarded. And then 10,000 subscribers, Sean's going to drop his Amazon bestseller. That's right. Yeah. So I'll give, I'll give it out free to yeah. the first three people that ask. <laughs> <laughs> so generous. <laughs> All right. First five. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next week on another episode. Thank you.